Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights for making money in food. The Edible Alpha podcast is hosted by the Food Finance Institute, where our mission is to help food businesses raise the money they need to grow. Through our podcast, FFI staff talks to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food or farm business. Welcome, everybody. Today, we're gonna, we have a, a great discussion. I uh, get to talk again with uh, Sarah Partha T., uh, from Flavor Temptations, um, and I've worked with Sarah and, and Partha over the last probably about five years or so. Um, I got my hands on them. Um, Tara Johnson from the Food Finance Institute, the founder of the Food Finance Institute, introduced us through uh, an initial FabCap accelerator program. I was running it with Fab Wisconsin, the, the, the precursor to our fellows program here at the, the University Food Finance Institute. Um, so I want to. I'm gonna before we get started. I'm just gonna turn it over to Sarah and let her introduce herself and 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 flavor temptations. A little bit of background on them for for the audience. Um, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Brad. Uh, thanks for having this uh, having me on this pro- podcast as well. I really appreciate that. My name is Sarah uh, Parthasarathy, and I am co-founder of uh, Fill My Recipe, uh, also doing business as uh, Flavor Temptations, along with my husband. Uh, who is Partha. He is not able to join us today, unfortunately. Uh, We started Fill My Recipe um, a few years ago. I feel like saying around uh, 10 years ago is when we actually got registered. And uh, subsequent to that, we have been uh, working on our products. Uh, Products are primarily uh, to make it easy for people to cook Indian cooking uh, and to cook Indian food because uh, there's a lot of joy which comes and pleasure which comes with, you know, um, sensing all the aromas and the flavors that come out of the, all the spices that you use uh, in order to cook Indian food. And there's, a, there's an authenticity to it and a flavor building to it that a lot of people miss. And so what we are in the business of doing is trying to share our culture Uh, We are immigrants from India, and uh, we have been wanting to share this culture uh, through food. And um, so uh, we produce Indian uh, food spice kits, uh, which contain the recipe to make a particular dish and all the spices measured out. So, you know, you don't have to worry about which spice goes with what and what flavor profile needs to be put together. We also make curry sauces and curry blends. And we sell a lot of products online. And um, that tell turn it back to Brad. Well, that's a great introduction, especially of of Flavor Temptations, your backgrounds. Why don't you give a little bit of background of both you and and, and Partha as as entrepreneurs, a little bit about your backgrounds before you you decided to say, you had the great idea that I'm going to start a food company. You were doing what? Oh, um, good question. So both Partha and I, we are IT professionals. Um, we were working in India in the IT field uh, for a Fortune 500 company for maybe around 15 years. And during Y2K, we got an opportunity to uh, move over to the United States and sort of help uh, companies out here prepare for Y2K. So we immigrated here. Um, our initial stop was at Pittsburgh for about a year, and we actually landed on Christmas Day at Pittsburgh from 70-degree weather to, like, negative um, <laughs> temperatures, and we had no clue what we were doing. We did not, as far as, you know, how much you know, 
what clothing to wear or anything like that. We pretty much had six suitcases because I had my son along with me who was nine years old at the time. We brought him along and we wrapped up our household into six suitcases. We had $3,000 in our pockets and we had stars in our eyes and that's pretty much it. And we came pursuing the American dream, um, helped out with some Y2K and a year later we moved over to Madison and um, because Partha had a contract job and he came here on his contract and I followed him. And we were pretty much happy with the IT field and uh, things like that until my son um, grew up, left the house and, you know, wanted to cook for himself. And, you know, others, he was eating pizzas the whole time, which is a really good excuse for him. And so when he um, wanted to cook Indian food because, and he's vegetarian too, he wanted to, he said, mom, how do I cook? And, you know, Indian cooking comes so natural, naturally to me, just like, you know, baking comes naturally to a lot of people out here I can hardly bake you know I had to look at the recipe like a thousand times before I can start even baking and the same thing for Indian food I you know I have my spice box I have all the spices and I watch my mother cook for ages and you know she's an excellent cook still and so I gave him a spice box with all the spices and they said hey honey just you know put a little bit of each and you know you just stir fry and you'll be fine and uh, he, well, with his big hands, he put a little bit, according to him, of turmeric and, and cumin and spices and things like that. And it came out bad because he had big hands. And so I, he came home. He's like, Mom, it doesn't come out the way, it, you know, you cook and cook dinner for me. And I'm like, oh boy, honey, you have left the house. I'm not cooking for you anymore. Go fish. I have to really teach him how to cook because others, I was ending up cooking for him again. And I was like, nope, I'm done with that. So he, I had to uh, send him off. And so I put together, you know, my mother's recipe and wrote it up. And then I gave him little sachets of spices all measured out and said, and they gave him step-by-step instructions so he could not go wrong. And so he did a really good job of it. And he started making curries and stuff like that. And he'd bring it home and then he would say, mom, see what I made. And then he would, you know, like, show off and I would taste it and it'll taste really good. And then I'll say, what is this stringy thing coming out of it? And he's like, oh, that is just cheese. So of course he's from Wisconsin. He had to add cheese to everything. So he'd sprinkle cheese on everything and he loved it. And so it made him independent. And that's when I realized cooking is a survival skill. And there's a lot of uh, people, you know, children of like of his generation, who are who have immigrated from India or who are uh, you know second generation Indians? Plus, there are a lot of Americans who really love Indian food because, and they are looking for ways to cook. Because my friends used to come to me and say, "Hey, how do you make this? How do you make this?" And I would send them off to the Indian store to bring up you know all the spices, and you get like a pound of uh, turmeric and a half a pound of mustard and a half a pound of. Uh, um, cumin and then I would say oh my god that's you know that's way too much and then what do you do with all the leftover spices and that is when I realized just measuring all the spices giving them just for a particular meal was you know reducing waste at the same time they felt good about being able to cook by themselves and cook from scratch. Mm-hmm. That's an, I tell you what, that's an interesting area that I, I've, I've done some research in and it's like when you find an area where People really want to cook that product. I did some work in produce and uh, trying to get uh, other products, you know, with produce and 
consumers walk into the produce section and, and they almost get a halo over their head. I did some, sh- I did 12 shop alongs with them. So shopping with consumers is another interesting thing, mm-hmm. but, um, but, uh, but they went every one of them to a, to a consumer, they got into the produce section and I said, well, how do you feel about, you know, yourself when you're in produce and, you know, when they're, and they're like, oh, they just felt good about it. And then, but then we, we talked about the food and, you know, what they liked about it. And they go, yeah. And then, you know, so, and the number one issue with produce was, was one, you know, it, you know, you had to use it or lose it. Right. And then also, you know, so you had to move through it fast and then they didn't feel comfortable preparing it. You know, it just, just didn't seem to turn out the way they liked to, you know, looked on TV, it all looks good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the way they were doing it, they, it, it just was such an apprehensive thing. And they wanted to do, they wanted to consume more vegetables than all they're being told to. They like to, when it's done properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they but you know that there was that an apprehension and it, it it was an interesting insight when I when I was going through it and, and when you share it again I'm like it is an interesting area I mean, not everybody knows how to cook like you Sarah um, um, my wife is the same way she can take you know she loves to watch the the, the Guy Fieri Kitchen Challenge <laughs> what yeah. can you do with what can you do with nothing you know <laughs> you know make something out of canned cheese like really um, but uh, uh, it was. Uh, it's it's sort of an it is sort of an interesting area that that you know you you allow them to enable it and then I guess you know the other thing that you know you and I've talked about just to, to put a little ribbon more on the contextual nature of your business you know you know you've ta- you and I've talked about it over the over the course of our time together it's like you know the 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 idea that uh, you know food can take you places yeah right. So I guess, you know, share a little insight on that, you know, a, 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 you know that, that you've seen and, you know, how, how it works for you and your brand. Um, so when we, when we started uh, Flavor Temptations initially, you know, it was just like a hobby. Uh, I would just hand over to, you know, my sons and friends and our friends and, you know, things like that. And slowly we decided, okay, this seems to be like a business and how people can really, you know, enjoy making food we really are in the business of trying to bring that joy back into the kitchen and to bring the flavors and really enjoy the cooking process because that's what our culture is about Uh, indian culture if you know is very very vibrant we just had the festival of holy if you may have heard about it it's a festival of color so it's vibrant it's colors it's noise it's chaos and there's a lot of spices and there's a lot of you know color color and vibrancy which we bring gets into the family and you know when families are very noisy and everyone is like jumping mm-hmm. around and you know even weddings are like children are running around and there's nothing sedate about it and so it's yeah. like that's what we wanted to bring that culture in and you know so when you actually are cooking with the spices and they are cooked in the right fashion and you know you're using the right spices in the right measurement and the right flavor profile and the right sequence of adding spices into your food you really bring that joy of the senses because eating and you know food consuming food is not just like putting food into your mouth it's about the taste the texture the aroma and the ambience of the entire you know the the plate and the table and the friends and family. So we have found that a lot of, uh, you know, people not only um, like the fact that they can brag about the food that they created because they created it pretty, you know, uh, pretty easily with my mother's recipe, which is in the card and step-by-step directions and all the spices handed out numbered one, two, three, four, five, that they cannot go wrong. So, Mm -hmm. 
with with that aspect of it they just have this pride in what they make and they're sort of bursting with the pride of making this good food and bursting with the love for everyone else that they have made this food for and i found that and, and people are sort of beginning to understand what the culture is is like the food is what brings out the culture of a particular country and that's what we are trying to bring to people well, I'll tell you, we, uh, I, I, uh, on a personal note, Sarah and, and uh, Partha, I'm, I'm Facebook friends with them, mentioned in the color you talk about, I love seeing your pictures of, you know, when you have some family photo shots and stuff like that. That's such a, it, it's such a different world than we're used to in America, honestly. Um, you know, we, it, you know, we don't, we don't quite, we don't quite get it. You know, I really don't think we do. Your food, your food brings us to it. Um, but it, it's, uh, it, you, when you talk about that vibrancy, I, I see it firsthand um, in, in all your posts, honestly. I think it's, <laughs> okay. It's, it's outstanding. Um, so, so anyways, well, let's, let's sort of, you know, I want to, you know, we, you know, in, in preparation for this, we talked a little bit about, you know, let's talk a little bit about your arc of entrepreneurship and such. So, you know, you got a good setup there on how you guys got here. By the way, it's sort of interesting, you know, the, the, the chaos is, you know, you came to the America in a state of un- uncertainty, Y2K. I, always, I forgot about that. <laughs> you know, oh, my God, the world's going to end and nobody, the computers are all going to shut down, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and it was really a whimper. But uh, but it was but the, but there was moments of uncertainty. Um, and we're going to come back to that point um, at the end of the discussion here. Um, so. So, you know, let's, let's talk. So you guys decided to start your company and you, you've gone on the path. So why don't you go through a little bit of the due diligence that, that you did in the, in the beginning? Um, you know, and especially, you know, I know you, you started working with Tara. I don't, there, I'm sure there are other people that you've worked with along the way. So why don't you give a little bit of, a little bit of insight of, of what you did. And then, and then I think overlay a little bit of, if you, if you'd only known this, then, you know, what I would have done differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we, when we first started, it was back in uh, 2012 is when we incorporated the company. Uh, we had been, my, my son had left home a long while before that. And this idea had been like brewing in our heads, but we were in working in corporate jobs and we were very busy. We had another child we were raising. And so we, uh, really didn't put too much of, you know, thought into it, except like once in a while, as I would, I would be cooking, um, on a particular day and then we start take, p- taking pictures of the food that I prepared and we say, hey, we should do this. Hey, we should do this. And we kept talking about <laughs> it. And um, so then we, you know, started digging around and then found out that even in order for what I was doing, which is basically taking a big bag of spices and distributing it into smaller sachets in order to, you know, make multiple spice kits uh, with, the, with spices in each one of them. Um, I was told by, you know, we contacted DATCAP, um, the Department of Agriculture, talking about, you know, where can we do this and what kind of licenses we need. And they said, oh, you need a commercial kitchen. They're like, well, I'm not really cooking. I'm just taking one bag and opening it and doing things. They said, no, anytime you open any bag and want to do anything, it has to be done in a commercial kitchen. You need to be licensed. And so we were looking, we did not want to invest in like a in a full-fledged commercial kitchen or we didn't know we would be using it full-time we had no idea about what the uh, market would be for this particular product because this was remind 
just remember, even before the meal kits had made an appearance into the market, even before HelloFresh or Plated or Blue Apron or any of them had even come into the market, the meal kit concept was not there at all. And ours is sort of like a semi or meal kit. It is like just the spices for a meal, but not the fresh produce. And that was intentional. Um, the intention being that the spices are shelf stable. Uh, they can sit on a grocery store shelf and they can be there for, you know, for four years or five years. Uh, length, the spi- life of the spice spices is very long. So we didn't have to worry about shelf life or we didn't have to worry about refrigerating the fresh produce, which comes along with a meal kit. Plus, we wanted people to even you know, buy a meal kit anywhere. They can buy it from us. They can be sitting in Hawaii or Florida and they can buy a meal kit, but then they are forced to go to their local grocery store and purchase the fresh produce or the chicken or the meats or the vegetables from their local grocery store, thereby um, enabling that economy as well, local economy as well, and the local businesses and their local grocers or even their own gardens, right? So it's like we wanted the best of both worlds, uh, where they get the spices from us, but then they are um, <clears throat> supporting their own um, local stores. So when we did this and we were thinking about how do we put these together, we suddenly came across a commercial kitchen which was available on an hourly rental basis. So we went and started putting these packets together. And our first, initially, we were only going to go online. We said, oh, we are, so we put together an Amazon store, uh, listed some of our products out there. And um, before I knew it, I just you know approached uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, Nancy Stoves, who, is the, who writes about food at, at Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I didn't know what I didn't know. I just threw an email out there saying, hey, we are putting this product together. Would you like to write about us, about your customers and to your readers? And she calls me next day and she's like, okay, what do you do? And blah, blah. And then so we just talk about it for an hour or so. At the end of it, she says, okay, I will be writing about you next week. And I'm like, oh, let's rewind the whole thing. I didn't know that you were going to write about me. I was just chatting. <laughs> I, have, I have enough to go with. Send me a few pictures. And on Mother's Day in 2013, um, I got written up on Milwaukee General Central in the in the in section D or the section four where they have all the food stuff like that. I was on the front page of that section. And in within a span of you know three to four days, we had more than a hundred orders from the website uh, from Amazon. Basically, they all come through, and we we're like, wow! And so we said, people are interested in products like this. Um, subsequent to that, we were picked up by some local stores here, like Metcalf's, um, and then um, we slowly started expanding. We went into Hy-Vee uh, in uh, Madison, and then Whole Foods, and. Uh, festival stores and things like that and slowly started expanding to other places. From a mentoring aspect, we were very, very fortunate to have some really good mentors. Um, Initially, I attended, uh, I was the cohort zero, I would say, the very first pilot program of the WARF, UW-WARF Upstart Program. And so I was introduced to that by someone who just said, hey, there's a program going, would you like to join? And I said, oh, fine that's fine it was evening classes once a week for 12 weeks and I was working full time so I said fine I will attend that so I attended that and then I also the next year I was uh, we did a three-day workshop on business strategy with the Doyen group uh, with uh, Amy Gannon and Heather Wendler and they really helped us really focus and think th- things through for a couple of days uh, 
and you really focus on the business, which you don't get to do when you're especially, you know, we are working full time doing this part time and then you really didn't have time to do strategy or thinking through that. That is when we decided to name our brand Flavor Temptations because we were initially our brand was Ethnic Spicery. Um, so they said, oh, you're coming across as a spice store, but you're giving an experience of flavors and, you know, tempting people with food and things like that. So it sort of came around that. And uh, we also had UW Law and Entrepreneurship Clinic. They uh, volunteered to, you know, they gave us some legal advice. They helped us with branding and um, also like um, registering our brand. Uh, and then we also uh, worked with Merlin Mentors for a short while. There were some of those mentorship opportunities we had. And then I met Tara Johnson um, during one of the Madison Magazine photo shoots. And then after that, during Edible Alpha, I met with her. And uh, we were very fortunate. She took us under her wing and helped us step by step uh, go through the process of, you know, packaging and uh, finding out uh, how to do merchandising of the products and how to approach distributors, how to approach retailers. Um, also, you know, once we how to scale, that is very, very important uh, because we were doing it all ourselves and putting little pouches together and, you know, my entire family was helping me. And she said, you cannot sustain this, Sarah. And so she told us how, what we should be doing and then uh, how to approach a co-packer, which is what we did finally in 2015. We approached a co-packer, got, got a co-packer um, uh, assigned back in India because that's where the spices come from. They're like, why import all the spices here and then sit and do co-packing here when, you know, it can be done at the source and they can be packaged and then sent over. So all that was along the journey. And so with that, we were able to expand into more than 70 grocery stores between uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. So we were in some couple of large chains in the Minneapolis area as well. Uh, so that's what helped us as far as the consumer uh, size uh, products along the way. And we can talk about this a bit later too, but we also branched into a food service. Um, so basically using the same concept of, you know, multiple spices that go into making a particular dish like chicken tikka masala or chana masala or even, you know, vegetable stir fry like curried potatoes and things like that. Uh, we also made larger sizes so that they could be served at, you know, hot, hot bars um, in the, you know, different grocery stores and things like that. So it makes it easy for chefs not, they need not be trained in Indian cooking, but they can still make authentic Indian food. Yeah, as I say, and that's about the time I know you guys, I think Tara introduced you to the FabCap program. We started working together on that. And, and yes. you, were, you, know, you and that's when you started. I know you were, you, at that time you were growing a lot. I always remember, I always remember your, your growth in Minneapolis and stuff and then going up and doing, you know, you, you and, and the part that were doing demos and like, you know, and, and really spreading yourself really thin. Yep. <laughs> um, um, I know, you know, and then, you know, and, and, and that was still, you know, obviously that always is part of the arc. I mean, everybody's got to wear a lot of uh, hats and got to do a lot of things themselves until they get to a certain point where, okay, it's too much. I have to have distributors. I have to take this information, build a plan so that I can have a sales organization of some sort, you know, where you can hire demo pro people to do your demos. All right. Mm -hmm. And you've got the right kind of kid. And, and then, you know, so you were going down that path. 
And I remember when we were working together, you started looking at the food service space, you know, more like you, like you described it. Um, why don't you talk a little more about that? Space? I think, I think, you know, as I, I use you guys as examples to other, for other people, um, that have similar type of offerings, you know, they're, they're not necessarily, uh, in fact, they're, they're unique, you know, that there's not, you know, you look at the Cisco, the Sodexo, that's kind of stuff. Most of the stuff they have in their arsenal is pretty mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and not to say that they're not looking for it, but they just, they're just, you know, if they're early on the trend curve, it's not as big an issue for them. And, uh, but they are always aware of them and they start, they start finding you guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've, I've, I've seen that in a couple occasions for sure. Um, but, but there's also a lane of business out there that you guys have tapped into that I think is a pretty interesting lane. You know, this, you know, especially the business and industry education where they have the hot bars and, and they're making a menu and Indian food is on the rise. So why don't you talk a little bit about how that happened and sort of how you've been, how you've been focusing on that? Um, sure. So the food service, we had never really thought about food service as an option. We were so focused on the consumer side of things and making these, you know, spice kits for, for a family of two or a family of four. Um, so we were um, introduced to, uh, to, to food service. It actually started off with one of the local stores um, want, wanting to do that. And um, we were just sort of toying around with the idea. Um, until we came up with, we had been to one of the trade shows, uh, which is the Feast trade show in Minneapolis, uh, and Rochester, actually, in Minneapolis. And we were in, we were actually present, not really presenting, we had a booth out there, and we were going to be meeting some distributors and things. And along came a team, you know, on the day that, you know, usually the buyers and distributors come along, and we were handing out some samples, uh, food samples for them to taste some cooked uh, potato curry and cooked chana masala. And there came a team of people, and they were like, they came and they they ate and um, one of them said oh this is really good and I gave some consumer size sample for them to try out by themselves turned out they were from a school district Minneapolis public schools and um, the chef out there he tried my samples and a couple a month or two later I just called him just to follow up saying hey how things going and he said oh I really loved it and we are being we are looking at bringing like you said Brad, a lot of these, you know, education institutes and even like hot bars and uh, companies and catering uh, companies are all looking for, looking to globalize their menu, right? And to bring some diversity into their menu because the the population or the demographics of the consumers is so, you know, diverse. And um, Indian food is very popular, has become, has become very popular just the number of Indian restaurants you can see in a particular town. And so there's, and the authenticity is really key because people figure out, you know, if it is fake, they know it is fake and they don't come back to eat it. And so he said that we are trying to globalize. We have a lot of students who are from diverse populations. And so we are wanting to uh, bring some global flavor flavors at the same time. We also want a lot of plant-based uh, because that is something that is on the rise. So vegan, vegetarian, plant-based, all those are words which come to mind. Uh, that and so they said, they, they said, oh great, and they said, okay, do you so do you make this for like large quantities? I said, okay, how large are you thinking about? And he said, well, 
400 gallons. <laughs> I said, as an entrepreneur, you never say no. I guess my husband will always say, my God, why don't you say no? I said, no, I can't say no. I said, of course, we can get it done for you. And they said, how big is your kettle that you make it in? And he said, come over and see it. So we made a visit and then we actually went uh, to the kitchen. The kettle is like a bathtub, literally. You have to st- climb up on a couple of steps and peek into the steel kettle, which can boil water, uh, 400 gallons in like less than 10 minutes. And so um, they said, this is what we'll be making it in. And so, of course, we put together sizes for them and they did a taste test uh, of chana masala with more than 22,000 students and through K through 12, basically. And they said 80% of the kids came back, said, we want this. And so that is how we realized that there is a market. And um, so these people have been really very helpful in sort of introducing us to other um, education institutes and sort of telling us where the people congregate, so to speak, you know, in um, uh, the various trade shows and various conferences that they congregate, where we can go and present what our products are. So that took off pretty well, like uh, Brad, as you were saying, as we were working with the FFI and FabCap, um, I feel like saying it was in 2018 uh, when we were yeah. part of that cohort. Yeah. And it was, um, I think within like six months or eight months, we had reached more than 50 school districts. Yeah. Um, and so they were, I mean, some of them were small, some of them were medium, some of them were large, you know, but it was just a gamut of that. And it was across the country, which was what was very, very surprising. Uh, when we, when I used to call and, you know, it was primarily cold call trying to, catch hold of someone in their, on their uh, cafeteria team. And then uh, <clears throat> they would say, yes, we are looking for something like this. Send me your catalog. Uh, I'll give it a try. I'll do a taste test. They were all very, very willing to do that. The only thing is, you know, they had scarcity of time because they are so busy running around just getting food on the t- table for all the um, their students during lunch. And they are all very, very busy. But Despite that, they used to make time to try new things because they were very, very committed to bring uh, new flavors and new experiences to their you know, audience, that is the students, and they really were committed to that. Um, so that was that was a journey into that. But, you know, it's and then, of course, hot bars, we also had local stores uh, like the Willie Street Co-op, which wanted to try out our food on their hot bars and they found great success in that too. So again, just the audience for that. So. Well, as I, say, I find it as a, you know, a lot of people, it's not more of the obvious channel out there for people, for, for some of the, for, for some products. Um, now in more mainstream products is probably not as, as, you know, when I say main fully assembled and blah, blah, blah. It's not necessarily the, the number one place to go unless, unless there's just nobody else in that space. Um, mm-hmm. a, Milwaukee pretzel, a Milwaukee pretzel comes to mind. They, They've got a product that that it's a big Bavarian beast. They call it. It's a big, you know, hand rolled pretzel that goes great with microbrewery beer. So, the, in the food service world, world they can myopically t- tap into not like yours was more like schools and industry in some you know, industry places. Theirs was microbrews, you know, because you know what what goes well with beer is a pretzel, and if you have a, a very authentic pretzel going with authentic beer, it's a great mix. Those are the kind of things that. 
that currently, you know, the, the current main big suppliers, while they may have something in that space, it's not really as authentic as yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the, the distributors are really looking for, honestly, is something that they can use. Yep. But uh, so I, I, you know, I, I've been, I say, as we've, as we've, as I've started working with, you know, it's, those are some of the lanes that I know, even my background, food service was a little different. I mean, it was Applebee's, it was Friday's, it was some of the mainstream big companies. Um, in fact, there's just a world of all these smaller places and or, you know, more untraditional places that people don't like school, school menus was not my first place for thinking about your product when we talked about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Other than what you talk about, the trend is your friend, you know, plant-based, yep. um, you know, diverse, in the, you know, diverse food profiles. Um, and, and you know what, there's not a whole, I mean, if McCormick wants to do it, they could probably do it. But the reality is, is they want bigger markets. Yeah. You know, than that right now. All right. Now, yeah. maybe at time they will and they do do some, I'm sure, but it's not their center part. You know, it's not their bullseye. Um, but uh, so it creates a lane for you guys. So, you know, so I, the re- part of the reason I'm going through this arc with you, with you, Sarah, and you and I talked about it just to share with the audience and say, so now it's 2018, 2019. Everything's going along according to plan. Yep. <laughs> all right. <laughs> And then COVID hits, all right, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden there's no, the school program, they're like, what? We don't have kids in school. Um, restaurants are shutting down, uh, you know, you know, everything, you know, stores are having a problem. There's no demos, so you can't taste this great food, yep. um, you know. So why don't you talk a little bit about, okay, uh-oh, why, why this, you know, there's a bump in the road. How did you guys navigate that? <laughs> a bump would be understating it, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So when COVID hit, um, we were really, you know, gung-ho going ahead with, you know, all all these, you know, customers wanting products. They had all promised that I literally had uh, emails that I had written, which I went back and looked at it back in um, November, December of 2019. And I'm like, okay, I'll follow up again in January with you or follow up in February. In fact, there's one email where I said, on March 9th or 10th of 2020, uh, you know, I'll be following up with you at this time. And, you know, we'll, let's talk about the order that you want to place and blah, blah, and and, and things like that. And in the meantime, uh, we had a huge shipment, a food service shipment, which was shipping, which was on the seas uh, from India at that time. And uh, in anticipation of the, you know, demand that we would have for second semester for the next semester in September, starting in September of 2020. And so we had all this coming through and COVID hit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you said, demo stopped. So our consumer-sized products, where we were literally running around every weekend, we were doing around eight or nine demos um, at local grocery stores, educating people about our product. People loved it. They used to buy. And we were moving a lot of product through that, uh, both in Minnesota and here in Wisconsin, and our food service where we were making phone calls to all the the various uh, schools and districts and things like that. All that came to a complete halt. And uh, so our consumer products were not moving because, you know, the distributors were not really pushing. And literally as Tara, who was, you know, guiding us all along this way, she really helped us, you know, move through this process too. And she mentioned that, you know, at one time where 
a customer was spending around 45 minutes at a grocery store. Now it has come down to like 15 minutes or less because either people were doing curbside pickup, uh, you know, ordering online curbside pickup, or they were just running in and running out of the store and worried about coronavirus and COVID and things like that. And there was they were just buying the bread and eggs and meats and whatever they need for a day-to-day basis. We don't. We have this uh, not only food service product but consumer products. We introduced. We decided to you know sort of look at our online channel. Uh, we had a website which was really not e-commerce at that point, and we also had some products listed, maybe two or three products listed uh, on Amazon. And we joined um, a mastermind group, an Amazon mastermind group in Madison, which was run by a very very successful <laughs> Amazon seller. Um, and um, so Mike Fenrici, he, he has a Fenrici bag, so shout out to him as well. And he made more than a million dollars, I think, in the very first year when he was on Amazon. And he was one of those up and rising stars, Amazon sellers. And he was organizing this mastermind. So we joined that and we got a lot of good tips and um, on how to exactly work that market a marketplace and how to put a listing out there. We really started focusing on that. So... In, in February, uh, I think we had started focusing on it sometime around middle of 2019, and we had started putting some products and started getting to know a bit about it. So in February 2020, uh, we had been six months on that journey, and we realized that, okay, that's where we had to go. We had a lot of things going for us as far as Amazon goes because our products are lightweight. Uh, they ship pretty easily and they're shelf-stable. They can be kept in a dry warehouse. doesn't need refrigeration or anything from the, all our spice kits. So those are all big plus points, especially for shipping to Amazon and Amazon to ship out. And they don't get damaged along the way, don't break, don't leak, and things like that. So we put... we listed um, quite a few products. We actually really started innovating a lot. We looked at what spices we had in the food service arena in our warehouse, and we started breaking up all the food service packages to make consumer size packages and make different um, flavors. So we introduced things like tandoori chicken and butter chicken, paneer tikka masala. Uh, We had chicken tikka masala and then some vegetarian things like... um, of course, chana masala, and we also introduced like curried cauliflower because a lot of people were had cauliflower, and um, things like sweet potato curry and things like that. So we had a lot of vegetarian, vegan, and meat-based products that we listed on Amazon, and we started actually uh, using our commercial kitchen here in order to break up all our food service products and then make them into smaller consumer-sized products, and that we get rid of, you know, start. Uh, Get, getting the inventory to, you know, sort of monetize whatever inventory we currently had. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, a, I think, one of the best decisions. Mike helped us a lot in that process as well. And it was one of the best decisions. In fact, March 2020 and April 2020, we found a huge um increase in revenue in for Amazon for our Amazon products. In fact, we were going almost like two times a week to the warehouse to package stuff and send it to Amazon. We were moving through things so fast that at one time among the new releases, uh, 10 of my products, uh, actually eight of my products are in the top 10 releases on Amazon. Um, and so we were really going through our products very fast and we realized that 
people do like the online platform. People are beginning to shop online and they are beginning to find things like this. And secondly, where on a grocery store shelf, it is hard for us to explain a product because, you know, how many seconds does a person spend on a grocery store looking at a product? Maybe like five seconds. Uh, whereas on Amazon, when people are really shopping, we can really put additional pictures, we can put videos to explain how this product works, and we can put like the description or the product, the five bullet points, and we can really make it look attractive with good pictures and good description and things like that. And people are buying because of that, and then they see reviews, and all that really helps. And so that is when we realize the online space is something that is going to be here for a while because, you know, COVID was not going away. And that's what kept us afloat, literally, you know, despite not having any food service sales or not having any grocery store sales, with just our Amazon sales on 2020 and 2021, it actually kept us afloat. Yeah, I know I say it's, it's an interesting era for, you know, for everybody. I, and I, I'm sort of like, say, I, get, I get the opportunity to sit in the crosshairs of a lot of with, with you guys and sort of like and see all the different angles that it could happen, what could happen and what you need to look at to, to navigate through it. Um, you know, and it, does, it would one of the things that leads me, leads me to this discussion that you and I had um, and, and what, what one of the next steps that I know we, we went through mutually together is, when, when this all occurred in 2020, 2021, I mean, managing uncertainty, you know, is, is a, you know, it's, it's sort of critical, you know, in any business, but, you know, in that day and age, it was like, oh my God, you know, what am I going to do? I mean, what's, what is the new normal going to look like? I mean, there was always a dialogue on what it's going to look like on the other side of COVID. Um, and then, and then when 21 occurred and it didn't really happen and there was like a, you know, we're going to have a round two of this. It's like, oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? Um, so I know what we had done at the food finance Institute is, is I got some of my first phone calls in spring of 2020 about what are we going to do, you know, from the various companies I've worked with over the years. And I said, well, it sounds like a time for scenario planning. Um, you know, you got way too much uncertainty. You got, you already had enough balls in the air. Let's add some more uncertainty to it. Um, we got to put some, you know, we got to get some tools for you to start, you know, to start gaming this a little bit differently, a little more aggressively. And uh, so Tara and I uh, actually started talking about this and then we had met up with Eric DeLuca over the years from some consulting training. And we, you know, Eric does a lot of work in this space. Um, like I said, I've done it before, but mine was more of the Boston business consultant type of thing. It was like a multi-day week, you know, and we had hundreds of people almost involved in the process. What Eric and, and, and Tara and I did, built out was a, a, a scenario planning program that in three days, you know, you can sort of ha capture the driving forces that your business is navigating. All right, um, which ones are which ones are predetermined, and which ones are critical but uncertain. All right, and those create, you know, when you look at those combinations of forces, those create, um, especially the predetermined outcomes. Um, the predetermined or the the ones that are predetermined, you sort of know that they're there you know, like interest rates and things like that. They're not going to vary that much, you know, that kind of thing. But it's important. I need to, I need debt. All right. So it's going to be in every one of your stories. But then there, then there's ones that are critical, but they're uncertain. Those create, you know, you know, OK, well, at some point, something's going to make a decision. It's going to go right or left. Um, so those 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 various paths, you know, give you an opportunity to create scenarios, you know. And so now what we, what we do at the companies is is work with them to 
to use these driving forces and create multiple scenarios. And we try to get it down to three or four at the most um, so that, that then they can live in those scenarios and say, if this happens, you know, what do I, you know, and I have my business goals that I'm trying to navigate for the X amount of, you know, you put a time horizon to it for whether it's, it could be six, it used to be a two or three year thing. Now it's more, more recently, it's been more like the six, the six months to maybe a year, um, navigate, you know, how do I navigate all this uncertainty? And, and then you create strategies that work against that. And then you start looking at, um, leading indicators for those strategies to make sure that, you know, what would, what would have to happen for this to be, know that it's, it's happening and, and it's my, my approach is working. And now what you do is you pick your course, you've got, you've got a list of strategies. Some of them are common across the scenarios. Some of them are not, but you know, you, what you can do then is you can sort of now start navigating the uncertainty. If something's happening that's not in your scenario, but it's in another scenario. So wait a minute, you know, I've already got a plan for that. So I, I, I look at the scenario planning as pre planning your pivots. And, uh, and so, you know, you've already, you, you've got, and you've got lead indicators to start getting you there. So you start building confidence in a world of uncertainty. All right. Um, and that's what we do in the scenario planning. And that's what, uh, you know, so Tara and I were, were talking about it and we actually had a, we had some Keras funding that we could, we could do this for free with our, com- uh, with our, with, the, especially with the companies that we've worked with already. Um, it was always great because we knew more about them, um, and what they were trying to navigate. And so I had called up Sarah and, 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 uh, Partha and said, Hey guys, would you like to join us in this, uh, in one of these immersion programs? And we did. And so, Sarah, why don't you talk a little bit about how you guys navigated that and, and, and how, you know, what it did for you guys? Uh, sure. So Brad, like you were saying, it was actually really good timing when we, when we participated in that scenario prog- uh, planning program. But because like you said, uh, we sort of were able to write 2020 out. We said, okay, COVID is here. The entire world is facing this. And so I guess we are in it. And, you know, we had all these grants uh, <clears throat> we were able to tap into and some loans and grants. And we really hustled and got some financing um, through various like crowdsourcing. And, you know, Vibic was helpful and things like that. And 2021, we are really hoping things would like, <clears throat> you know, our customers would come back and dent. And we were like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? And we were, um, we were really like quite down. We were like, okay, I guess, you know, we just have to shut down. A lot of the businesses are shut down. I guess we, we do too. We also joined that group. And, um, you know, I am more like an optimistic. I don't look at the numbers as much. I'm like, I'm looking at the customers. I'm more like into marketing and, and PR and trying to be the face of the brand. And and Partha on the other on the other hand, he's the finance guy. He's my he's my CFO, and um, he's the one who's looking at the numbers. And he's like, okay, we're not making money here. You know, you know, he, he the numbers guys in my mind are always very pessimistic is what I say, you know, <laughs> the finance people like, they, you know, you're like, Oh, let's do this later. Well, but it's not, it's going to cost you so much and you're, you're going to make so much money. Like, Oh my, so you threw wet towel on everything. So he was like, he was like, I think we need to, you know, we need to really look at our business and see what we have to do. And we were sort of in that kind of mode. And I guess a lot of businesses were uh, feeling that way. And this, when Tara suggested, uh, the scenario planning that you were, <clears throat> that you guys were, you know, starting that 
end end of that month literally we jumped on board i think we must have been the last people to be uh, come on board that like just a week before you mm-hmm. actually had the workshop so we found that to be very interesting because you know uh, from a professional perspective i have been I work for a large company here in Madison and I was part of the strategic planning team and you know I, I was managing the strategic planning for the sales area and things like that so strategy and planning and you know talking about scenarios that comes very naturally to me I, I start off I, I love leading people through that and leading myself through that whole process and um, so when you guys were talking about it and taking us through it, through it step by step, it was really interesting for us to sort of go through that whole process and and also you know like I said, not fear the unknown, right? I mean, if you know if you can predict what can be the unknown or think about what if scenarios as to what if this happens or that happens and how do you deal with it, then it's not so much as oh, today I'm going to react in this fashion and tomorrow is a good day. Yes, I react in a different fashion. So it's a bit more, um, we're thinking it a bit more, uh, not as emotionally as we typically would do if you did not have that kind of uh, plan, you know, in mind. So we went through the scenario planning. We had all these white charts and (laughs) things like that. Uh, It's still plastered around the, our office in our room and we had like a goal as to okay what would be a goal and one of the things that helped with scenario planning was also just in general talking about you know what would be an exit exit strategy and uh, typically businesses don't think about exit strategies because they think oh yeah then we are closing down no you're not closing down it's just like even before you start a business I think you need to think about what is an exit strategy um like, how are you going to get out of this? How are you going to start it? How are you going to get out of this? It's got to be part of the planning, which we had not done. So that was something that really was helpful for us to say, you know, when do we really retire, retire, right? So we had been working, you know, in professionally in corporate America, corporate India for almost, I mean, I had put in like almost 40 years of service. And so had Partha. And it's like, okay, so we are looking forward to retirement, right? And we enjoy what we do currently and we really look forward to it. But we also want to travel. We want to spend time with our grandkid and, you know, things like that. So how do we balance all that stuff? And when when does that really happen? And how do we go about doing that? And um, kind of stuff. And what are those lead indicators, like I said, which will tell us, huh, if now we are ready to sort of really retire, right? So is it health? Is it finances? Is it how the business is doing? Uh, is it when we really get, now we are bored, we, you know, we don't feel like getting up and going into work? Is it, what, what exactly is it that makes us, and if we were, we do want to like exit on a high note, what do we have to do? with the business as far as how do we grow it and where does it have to reach in order for it to be attractive for an investor or for someone to take it on. So those are the kind of scenarios which really helped us, uh, you know, we build those out and then say, okay, how do we get towards it? And then how do we then strategize? So that has really helped us. Like in 2021, we were able to um, look at a business a bit more objectively from that aspect of it, and then 
pullbacks, products which we had introduced, which were not doing very well, which were bleeding money. And then, you know, also decide, you know, which platforms we want to be in. And we made some strategic decisions. We made decisions like we are not going to go into grocery stores anymore. No more grocery stores. We were in 70 of them. We, like Brad said, we could, it, we were spreading ourselves so thin, even if you do one demo a week, uh, sorry, we do we do eight demos, say seven or eight demos a week. It'll take us 10 weeks to get through 70 stores. And just that is not sustainable. You know, we, weekends, basically all our weekends were gone. So we decided online is where we are going to be focusing and then we will not be um, in grocery stores outside town. We are still in all the local grocery stores and there's around 10 of them and we will continue to support them. And once demos start, we will support those demos as well. But going to Minneapolis, you know, doing like mm-hmm. eight or 10 demos over a weekend in Minneapolis was just not sustainable for us. So we decided we'll pull out of those, but then we'll turn our attention on to online sales and wait for our food service customers to come back because schools have to come back, right? So mm-hmm. we said, let let those come back. And we are beginning to see them come back now. So um, this quarter, we had some uh, really good uh, turnaround, a couple of um, uh, good um, orders from the school district, which sort of is, seems to be looking up and there are more, people are more beginning to, you know, want, want to, uh, try us out and they're talking about it so yeah I think what I, I appreciate one of the things you you'd said about it is like the the emotion of things um, because I'll tell you most of the calls I got in 2020 2021 about this topic mm-hmm. um, everything was emotional you know mm-hmm. and and I get it I you know especially I mean I, I you know once again I I've always been, my, most of my background has been corporate America, large companies and such. And now, I mean, I've had seven years working with entrepreneurs and startups and, you know, and try to, trying to triangulate some of the best practices that, that can work for you guys. But it's a more, it's, there's a, you know, and I've seen, I've seen entrepreneurs, even in big companies, um, that they get emotional, right? Um, now they have bigger p- companies around them and there's things that sort of restrict them a little bit to not, you know, to not, to not let them overtake that. But that emotion does drive, you know, a lot of business. And especially when there's only a few of you guys and it's, and it's an emotional situation mm-hmm. that makes it, makes it doubly tough, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you guys, well, and when then, and then putting you into the framework, putting anybody into the framework of what we go through with the scenario planning, I think is helpful to your point. It puts a little bit of, it, like I say, we're trying to pray, put order around chaos. Right. All right. And, uh, and I loved having you guys in that group, by the way. I think I told you this a thousand times because, you know, you're, the, you're, you're, my, you're one of my A students. I always like, <laughs> I always can count on you to ask a good question. Um, and, and it gets the room thinking. Um, so th- that's what this is all about, is getting people thinking about their situation and navigating around it. Um, I know I, I have many situations like that in, in my corporate life where I always had a back door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never went into it, even even though the whole corporation was behind me on my plans, because that's how we built the plans. You know, it was all aligned through various processes. Um, I always wanted to have a back door, you know, whether it was even if, if it wasn't asked for. I didn't I didn't I always made sure I had one. All right. Mm-hmm. So that if, if the project was going sideways or south, that there was a way of, of, of trying to salvage it or exit it properly. Right. You know? I had one time where we failed on a technology and and the VP of engineering comes up to me and goes, I can't believe it. He goes, you're a hero. 
<laughs> because we actually shipped back a piece of equipment. Um, and, you know, and all we had to do was pay for We paid rent basically for like six months on the equipment. And, and then we, that was it. We didn't have million dollar, you know, price tag, you know, tag, tagged onto it. And, uh, and then I had the backup technology coming in, you know, like within three months or something on that nature. And they were happy because one, it proved it didn't work. We didn't have the money outlaid and we had a better system coming in. So it's like always knowing, you know, I, I saw, I saw it going South before some other people saw it going South. Um, and I just made sure we had a plan for that. All right. Um, and, and that's what I think the scenario planning, you know, exercise does for almost everybody that comes through it. Now, it's not always going to, you know, you're not, you can't always, you know, win every, every war you're in, but the reality is, is at least you're going in with eyes wide open and you understand, like say with some of the predetermined or some of the, some of the leading indicators, is it going in the direction that, you know, that I, that I can navigate? I mean, cause one of the scenarios is always that one of the scenarios always can be, you know what? It ends, it, it ends here. You know? um, and I always say that, but that's the easy one. All right. You know, that, that's, you know, that's always sort of, that should never be the one you pick. Um, and unless of course it's the only one that's obvious. Um, and, and so, you know, you know, I, I, I it, it always amazes me. I like, um, I saw it, I saw it in the corporate world and I do see it in the entrepreneurial world too, is that, you know, I always looked at everything as um, we're going to succeed. You know, because if you don't look for success, if you if you think about failure, I mean, look, think about race car drivers. Though, so they they you know, if you li- you know listen to them talk about how how they go down the you know those tracks at a couple hundred miles an hour, they never look at the wall. They never think about the wall. They're inches away from the wall, right? But they they are navigating the field, right? And and so that's what that's what they do. If they if they focus on the wall, they hit the wall. All right. And so that's how you have to, you know, with all that chaos going around you, you have to make sure you're focusing on the things you want to happen. Um, and, I, and I find that is always a pretty, uh, if you can get to that point, you know, um, like you say, driving down that wall at 200 by 200 miles an hour and it's only inches away from you. Um, you got to just sort of like, okay, you know what? It, it's there. I get it, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to worry about what I can do, you know, what I can do to be successful. So I guess now, you know, moving forward, what's the arc looking like now? What do you guys, uh, you know, what's, what's the big focus area and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, give me a little peek under the tent of, 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 of where uh, flavor temptations is, uh, looking to grow. Um, so yeah, uh, we've done the gamut, right? So we have uh-huh. started off, um, we went into grocery stores. We had the consumer size packages, and we went into food service, and um, we did the same spice kits for the food service as well. Um, getting schools to like uh, or the, uh, institutions to cook through with using that, and uh, over time we also have developed curry sauces, which sort of makes it uh, the sauce is a you know like. Um, uh, intermediate step to any of the masalas you make, like if you make butter chicken or any of those uh, sauces, like an intermediate step. So we decided to actually make that and sell it. And so people, instead of having a seven-step recipe, now they have a three-step recipe. And mm-hmm. it is like pre-made and it is um, halfway in the co- cooking process. Uh, we found co-packers in Wisconsin who can help us with that. Uh, with the curry sauces. So we sell those in consumer size and as well as in food service size. And we are sort of looking at our entire, you know, 
gamut of uh, the product catalog and sort of looking at which where do we uh, which are the best products to keep and um, where do we have to spend the least as far as inventory carrying cost and you know warehousing cost and things like that and also look at which ones are popular and um, so we are most likely going to you know I think we have decided we have now decided uh, grocery stores only the local stores for our consumer size and then the rest of the consumer size products are going to be um, on um, online on Amazon where we have our products and we are also we have also beefed up our website uh, we have sort of looked at our branding a bit more carefully um, we are not ready to like I mean we are sort of thinking do we have to change the name but you know I think the message around the brand is going to be more like it this brings you joy this brings you uh, flavors this brings you aroma it's just the senses and mm-hmm. you know the bursting with flavor kind of thing mm-hmm. so we are going ahead with you know our branding is more like you're going to be bursting with pride you're going to be bursting mm-hmm. with aroma with flavor with taste with quality of the spices that you have um, is what our team is that you know mm-hmm. and the bursting with sort of resonates so much with what India is all about it's like mm-hmm. you know when my kids first um, you know came to India the very first uh, time with my daughter and my son was like by then a teenager and when we reached India and we got into the you know taxi to go home from the airport and then I said give me one word what does India tell you give me one word in the middle of the night cars all over honking all the place and people running around and you know the people cutting across the streets and and you know buses and things like that and and then my son and daughter looked at me they said chaos I said, <laughs> I said that's right but there's an order to the chaos right and you go home and there's so much of love and pride and our family you know everyone coming and hugging and kissing it's like the Italians I guess so yes. like doing all the stuff and and it's like so it's a lot of bursting with joy and so that's what we want to uh, and and the bursting with color and vibrancy we want to bring that to people's kitchens and so that's where we are sort of focused on and that's where what our website is going to talk about and uh, talk about what are the you know issues that people have trying to cook Indian food and always you know they say they mess it up like I tried I loved I saw someone do it I followed the recipe it didn't come out right why Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. but then when they use my products with the recipe card and the and the spices it's it's just the way the spices are put together is why it didn't come out right so now when they use mine they're like oh this comes out perfectly each time so it's like that's what we want to give people the independence of being able to Cook that, and that's where we are. And so now we want to bring that into the food service arena as well. And whereas in food service, I think it's more like not the joy of actual cook, but let's cook more efficiently and with less labor and less cost, and let's get food on the table as quickly as we can for you know thousands of 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 kids or thousands of um, customers for us. So let's do that as quickly as possible. So we are going to be. Those are the two um, strategic uh, push points. Um, and over time, um, this we have talked about a little bit. Um, it's like, you know, how do we really um, start thinking? Do we want to, if people want to bring the Indian culture into their homes, what is the easiest way to do that? Are we the one-stop shop to help that? Food mm-hmm. is the very first step, but then is there anything else that comes through? So um, those are things that we have been 
talking about, uh, mulling about, but at the same time now we're just waiting for, you know, to get some additional revenue in. Um, we also figured out a packaging of our products in a way that, you know, when we bring pallets from India, it is mm-hmm. more product and less packaging mm-hmm. um, because earlier, you know, a product itself, the spices themselves do not weigh as much, but then when you add the cardboard box around it and then the shipper and then the cases and everything like that, <clears throat> everything, everything starts adding up and now you're paying freight for that. So um, how do we make it more of the product? And we are actually past two times or three times, we have actually had to air, sh- air freight uh, products over, which is very, very expensive. But at the same time, we are getting more product and less of the packaging. And um, part of the packaging we can do here maybe, you know. So we're just looking at the cost uh, across that as far as uh, storage and freshness and things because when ocean freight you know what happened to the supporting with ocean freight and so uh we just could not take the risk even on a regular normal time it would take us four months to get an order in um Mm -hmm. by the time we ordered it placed an order and we got the product into the warehouse so with air freight it's you know much faster Mm-hmm. And um, it's only the production time out there. And then after that, within like, um, you know, almost like one fourth or one third of the time, we are able to get a product. And so right. it's, uh, we are not, uh, you know, locking up that much of cash um, yep. f- for so long. Yeah. With uh, with Air Freight, we can start uh, turning around and start monetizing it right away and start selling the product. So <clears throat> those are certain things that we are, Looking at, but we are focused on the, on the sauce as well. Uh, we do find that there is a big market for that, uh, especially where people want to cook very quickly, but at the same time keep the authenticity with it. The one thing which I also wanted to share, as far as a product is, um, as as a company, basically, is right from day one we decided that we are going to be giving back to the community in some fashion. And uh, the way we do that is a portion of our proceeds we have been donating to uh, Feeding America and uh, for food charities. And until now, our donations have resulted in more than 75,000 meals uh, to Feeding America. So we feel very good about that, especially during COVID. It was really, we felt good that we were able to give back to the communities in, you know, which are which really need um, mm-hmm. and people were really struggling with all those, you know, mile long car lines of cars, you know, with food pantries and stuff like that. So <clears throat> that was very helpful uh, for us to keep going. Like, okay, there's a purpose behind all this. It's yeah. not just, okay, sales and revenue and bottom line. Uh, we are doing something else also. And plus when we put our products together, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> back in India, um, we uh, we do employ under uh, people from underserved communities, so we are helping in that fashion as well. So it just overall, it just we want it to be a feel good company and a feel good product, and we feel that we are moving in that direction. You know. Yes, you are. Well, Sarah, you know, now just to just to elaborate on what you just discussed, and I said so. One of the things I you know I like to, I, I always give you at a at a girls and part of the at a boys. Um, <laughs> because of the, of the way you focus your business and energy. Um, the one thing I love to hear is that continual discussion around operations and supply chain that just can you continue, you know, optimizing it, making it better. Um, you know, the continual look at your brand, 
um, making sure you, you're bringing it alive in the most vibrant way. I mean, you're not necessarily changing brand, but you're just making sure the message is being refined and, and focused. Um, and then you got sales channel discussions and you're constantly always op- looking to, to validate, optimize. Um, you know, that process, you know, I, I, I think everybody knows they have to go through it. But for some reason, they, they seem to avoid some of those steps from time to time or they don't quite do them as, 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 as diligent as they should. Um, you guys do a really great job at it. Um, and I, I always try to remind people that as we're going through building business plans together and, 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 and then the execution that's occurring while it's happening, I said, you have to understand this is what food companies do year in and year out. You know, they, they develop a plan, they execute the plan and then they, and then every year they reflect on the plan and then they go back and see them develop a new one and then keep doing that year on year in and year out. You know, it's not a static one and done thing for your brand. It's not a static one and done thing for product. Um, and working those angles every year is something that you get better at, right? The nature of the beast hasn't really changed, but you get better at it, you know, because you've tried stuff and you've had successes. You've tried stuff and you've had failures. So you learn from those things. Um, and, and honestly, that, that is sort of the arc of an entrepreneur um, to a business. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, it, 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 people should realize that that's what they're, getting, what they're signing up for, number one. Number two, I think, you know, it's it actually, it's like, it sounds, it's in some respects, some people go, God, why am I doing this? They're like, you know, that's what you do in a, in a, you know, when I worked in food companies all my life and that's what we did. All right. And, um, and, you know, and it's interesting. It's like, okay, why can't we find more people? And I, I deal with a lot of other companies, bigger ones, ones too. And, and they're like, why can't we find people? Well, we've got to find, we've got to figure a way of getting people to realize that that's what business is all about. There's a, it is sort of a, an arc of, of learning, applying, you know, adjusting, learning, applying, adjusting. And that's what, that's what you do in a business. Um, and, and it's like, I, I don't know that there's a lot of training programs like that anymore, ex- actually, except for in the entrepreneurial space, because you have to do it if you're going to survive. Um, you know, it, it's sort of been an, in- it's been interesting to watch, especially as we talk about the, the great resignation and the, you know, I can't find talent and help and people that really know our business. Um, it's sort of like it, uh, I, I was talking to Quadro from, uh, uh, from Satori Food Project and, and Tui, um, the other day. And it's like this, this idea that, you know, ent- we're sort of going full circle, maybe the entrepreneurial world, not only has corporate America sort of outsourced, I'd say, um, innovation to the, to the new brands, help create a certain viable mass before they decide to get involved and buy companies and such. Um, but also maybe in the training of, of entrepreneurs on being good at running businesses. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, that, Especially as I, you know, it, uh, uh, you know, we've got, I've got a couple other case studies, Potter's Crackers, where David Payne, you know, worked with Nancy and, and it ended up being the acquirer of the business. Um, you know, not only is it a great thing for Nancy, but because he, he had, she had somebody that she could work with, she could train, he already had the right idea, but, you know, he had the goal to even take it to the next level, the next level. Um, and, and it's like that, that, I'm going to say that sort of iterative, you know, entrepreneurial spirit is, uh, for me, it's very energizing. Um, you know, for you guys, I think it is too, because that's what keeps you going. But sometimes, sometimes you get tired, but I'm, I, I want to reinforce, keep doing it. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Thank you. I need to hear that because there are days when you're like, okay, why are we doing this? 
<laughs> no, I know. I've heard that. Go like, oh my god, you know. Yeah. I look at her. I have to shake my head sometimes. Like, why are you doing this? Exactly. Um, but but I tell you what. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, and and that's why I too try to reinforce you because I know your world is a little smaller than the corporate world. I mean, in the sense that there's not a lot of people to reinforce the the what you're trying to do and accomplish. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I always try to make sure, you know, when I see good, good business behavior, I like to say, yes, you know, <laughs> keep doing it. You're, you're, you know, you're doing it right. If there's any question in your mind, don't worry, you know, you, you just keep working the program, focus on what you want and do what it takes to make it happen. Don't think about failure. Think about what your successful plan is, you know, and, and how it's going to, you know, how it's going to end for you. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, to me, that that's so that's such a focus that, like I said, this last year I've really started to see that a lot, and maybe it's sort of for me because I'm sort of on the tail end of my um, my exit strategy from from corporate America to re, you know to consulting to retiring, and and it's sort of like you know there is an arc to it, and and you just have to plan for it and and uh, and make it happen, you know, and when you do that. You know, when I always like I always told my kids when they're young, you know, like especially when they you know when they first got out of college and there's you know there's finance issues. And I said one thing that's interesting about finance problems, if you focus on them, they go away. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know it may not be easy. <laughs> you know, it may take longer than you expect, but you know you have to pay. You know, you have to take care of your obligations. You know, and and do what it takes to make it happen. Right. And, you know, and if you do that, you, you, you will actually, it, it happens, you know, you know, nine, you know, you know, I, you know, I, and some people, you know, end up doing other things like bankruptcy and such, you know, while that is an exit, you know, a potential exit, I mean, you know, that is a very, very last resort, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, but most people that I've seen that really do a good job. And that's why another reason we love working with you guys is, I always like it when I have one of the founders have a CPA background because <laughs> part that was inside that spreadsheet, like you wouldn't believe it. So. <laughs> I'm very fortunate to have him by my side to be able to yes. do that. Yeah. Yes. That's the way he gives me bad news. I have to remind myself <laughs> I need to hear bad news as well, not just think about the good news. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's um, good. I know. The other thing we all, I'm, I'm also trying to do, and, you know, thanks to you and Tara for, uh, Tara especially has been with us, I think, since 2014, um, mm-hmm. sort of, you know, guiding us along the way slowly. And and, and, and thanks to you for all the encouragement and, and the fab, you know, the, the workshop and strat- strategy discussions and stuff. Uh, one of the things that I heard from uh, Tara, especially, especially, and you too, like when we, you know, especially when you are trying to be a brand in, in a large setting, right? Like when you're talking about like mm-hmm. educational institutions or something like that, what is it that um, differentiates us from a big brand which will just can swoop in and literally take away all our business, right? So it's like they have the big money, the big dollars, and they can really spend all that and they can have a big team come and, you know, man all these trade shows and bring all these samples and do all the stuff and here we are a family of three people me my 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 husband my daughter and maybe my son and daughter-in-law will join uh you know when we are in a in a booth and five of us are like manning the booth and trying to like work the crowd what Mm -hmm. is it that keeps us differentiates us because you know even after two years after i have attended a trade show if i call someone and say hey remember you had come to the trade show and you had tasted this chana masala and potato curry and they'll say yes i do remember that and it's like what is it that they remember about my product when they have tasted 
hundreds of products a day and gone to gone to maybe you know a few half a dozen trade shows in the meantime but mm-hmm. still they remember me and my product is i think again the authenticity of what they tasted and they really liked what they tasted but in addition to that i'm trying to sort of build a brand as an someone who is an expert in you know indian food indian cooking indian spices to such an extent that now i'm actually even presenting in their conferences so yeah. I am. Um, <clears throat> I was invited to uh, present in uh, in the state level conferences at Wisconsin and Minnesota, which I've done like three or four times. And then uh, last year, I presented at the annual conference at the national level uh, through Zoom, and that went went very well too. And this year, I'm going to be presenting again at the mm-hmm. national conference. And of course, I will also have a booth at the trade show. I cannot talk about my product during a presentation because it's more educational. So they, mm-hmm. you know, the audience is getting C credits and things like that for it. So um, <clears throat> I cannot really talk about my uh, my products as much, but I can talk about my expertise and what I have. And I try to make it really fun. So mm-hmm. people really relate to that and they understand what it is because a lot of people don't, which you know, to me was surprising because I've grown with spices all my life. I know, I know what I know. And I'm like, Okay, so when people struggle finding out what is turmeric and what is cumin, and I'm like, this is so simple, but then they don't, right? They're not used to it. Whereas I don't know the difference between basil and rosemary, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's like then that's when I have to relate to that and say this this is an opportunity for me to not only you know educate people about what the spices are and what the profile is and how to cook with them but also you know what it looks like and what it smells like what it tastes like and things like that so they can feel more empowered in the kitchen in their own home kitchens as well as in their professional kitchens wherever they're working and they can feel proud of what they have learned and so word gets around and that is what i'm trying to say is like uh, I'm trying to build a brand around that and the expertise and uh, around mm-hmm. that, which hopefully a big company cannot replicate, right? Well, a big company can't replicate that, honestly. And if they try to, they often fail because the brands, I mean, they should be they should be smart enough. But sometimes they, I, I don't know what they do, but because I've been I've, I've worked against some big brands and uh, their brand does not stand for that. All right. So they, if they try to be that, then that then it doesn't come across as well. I mean, they may they have mass and 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 support, like you say, to be able to get into markets, but it's not authentic, and then that, that it makes a big difference. I know I was with Sargento. In fact, it was the I was the you know one on a brand team because we we were trying you know for the longest time we were trying to, we were doing a lot of Sargento things, but inside the four walls of Sargento, we were trying to be a better craft, right? And and it sort of came across in everything we did. When we finally said, let's really do an exploratory on our brand, all right, um, and and there was a lot of work that went into this. I mean, you can you you don't need to do as much as that, but sometimes when you get a big company, you need to because you have to you have to get rid of the stuff that's not working for you um, that people are holding on to. Um, but but it, in this case, you know, we did this exploration, and we you know it came very clear. You know, craft was about stainless steel and big manufactured cheese, and so you know IWS and and such and and Sargento, you know, you can say, well, they're a big company. Well, back then they weren't as big. All right, number one, they were considerably smaller than they are today. Um, and and we were at a cusp that we needed to figure it out because we weren't winning the war. All right, and uh, and so as it turned out, you know, as we looked at it, you know, our our brand stood about family. You know, our family's va- our passion is cheese came out because of 
every image that they had about our brand was a great family event, a great dish, um, all of the you know people coming together, and and so that imagery is what they really focused on, and you can just see it. And 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 you know what, craft could not be that, all right. And you know, I don't know if they ever tried to do more of that. They did a little bit, but they did it the way they should have, honestly. Is their their consumer was a cheese pleaser. I give mac and cheese to Johnny so that he makes him happy. So their scenery was about that. It wasn't about the great deep meal that they had when the family came over. All right. Mm-hmm. Which is good. I mean, it's smart marketing on their part ultimately, but realize you're not going to be the Sargento cheese, you know? And it was like, it was like, once you live your brand and ooze your brand, um, you know, you, one, I, I always heard him say, don't worry about the other guy. Right. Um, because you're, that's who you are. And if they try to become you, they usually do not succeed. All right. Um, and, and oh, by the way, that's why, you know, I, you made a comment about outsourcing innovation. Most of these companies, you know, it's, it's sort of a bit of trend. I mean, 25, 50 million is not really enough for a, a billion, couple billion dollar company to get real excited. They get excited. They might like it, but it's not the biggest thing they have in their portfolio. Um, well, you guys had to you, that's a great win. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can get to the million to 5 million to 10 million and, and that's where they might decide that they can buy you and they can take you to a hundred million. All right. Um, you know, and so now that makes sense. All right. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've, they've done a good job of sort of, I would say outsourcing innovation and, and sort of playing that game because this way you guys do a lot of the heavy lifting of building that brand. That they can eventually say, "Yep, that makes sense. It fits our portfolio of brands. Let's 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 get an agreement. Let's 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 buy them, mm-hmm. right?" Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, <clears throat> it, and it's always easier to be yourself, all right. And 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 I'm glad to hear you talk about all of the different angles of of Indian life, Indian food, um, because you can use it. And and then the, the last plant on your TED, uh, you know, I, I equate it to TED talks. I've got more and more people like you that I've worked with recently. I said, you need to get on the speaking circuit. All right. Because you could go to, you know, if you're working with Kroger, Kroger has business meetings once a year, twice a year, big ones, you know, where they bring in suppliers. Why wouldn't you be talking about, I have a farmer now, Mark Dudla. He's, you know, he's got 1600 acres of regenerative organic land. You know, I said, and he, and he's, he's like a walking, talking encyclopedia of regenerative ag. I said, you need to get on the TED Talks. You need to be able to, you need to be able to say, hey, if you want somebody to talk about regenerative ag, I'm here. I, I would love to be able to talk to your, to your, to your, you know, your business units mm-hmm. and make sure they understand the difference between regenerative and just sustainable. Because like his comment is, I don't want to hear about sustainability. And I tell you, Mark, I understand that because sustaining where we're at is a death, is a death spiral. <laughs> um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Now you have to talk about why it's regenerative is so, so important, you know, and that's the next step up. You know, we've got to get back the quality of land that we have and water that we need to, to feed 8 billion plus people. And uh, um, and I said, you can make it as a positive note versus a negative note. And and, and it's like, and, and he's, you know, he's he gets it. And he's like, okay, you know, but I, you guys have a voice that honestly, inside the four walls of corporate America, it's hard to get that because they, they look at what's delivering their 80, 90% of revenue right now, which is more middle of the road stuff. All right. Um, so that's why I say, be your brand, live your brand. Um, you guys are, you guys have a lot more, you have a lot more leeway to do it and you should. So, 
Yeah, thank you. It's, I think it's also very uh, humbling and very, um, I feel very thankful when I hear messages from customers, right? So mm-hmm. um, especially like I, I had uh, some one, um, one customer actually wrote to me saying um, that the cumin seeds that we are packaging and selling, they said that this has been such a great product this this particular set of cumin seeds my mom has been you know having this you know making tea with this cumin seeds for the and for over the past three weeks her mm-hmm. blood cholesterol has come down and she's beginning to lose some weight that she wanted to intentionally and she has been really very happy with what i bought for her and yeah. so it's so heartwarming to hear something like this and then yeah. there's another customer uh, who wrote saying that, you know, during COVID, his wife was very depressed and nothing would get her out of her depression. Um, and he started buying our spice kits to make Indian food for her because she liked Indian food, but he wanted to, you know, get her out of it. And he said, this is what kept her going mm-hmm. uh, during, uh, you know, during the COVID last last year, or last year and a half. And it mm-hmm. just feels good. Like it warms the cockles of your heart just thinking about, oh, my God, you're, you're making a difference to even one person in the community or in the world it, it it's so huge right and yeah. those things are priceless we just really cannot say okay i'm spending so much money and i'm am i making money on the business or not is it adding to the bottom line there is nothing that you can associate you know as far as dollar value to it that you know it's just like priceless you just cannot say that you know this is a loss or a gain or anything it's definitely a gain um but you it's hard to quantify correct so those are the kind of things that really, you know, help us moving. And um, <clears throat> the other, the other thing I wanted to share, which I don't typically share, I haven't. Uh, it's still too close to heart. But then now lately, I've begun sharing this. Is um, when my father, you know, he when my dad, well, he died around forty years ago, and uh, more than forty years ago, I feel like saying. And so. Uh, he was a combat pilot in the Indian Air Force, and he used to love my mother's cooking. My mom, mother's 83, and, you know, she's right now actually staying with me. Um, she's still an excellent cook. She used to cook wonderful stuff, all the, you know, from scratch, and that is where I learned watching her. And uh, his retirement plan at that time was, you know, that once he retired, he would they would settle down in uh, southern India where there's a huge marina beach and he said that you cook and i'll take the food in a food cart and then i will go to the beach and i'll sell it off in two hours time in the evening and then come back and that's our retirement plan and uh, so he wanted to share her food and what she made so much with you know with Mm -hmm. uh, with the people of uh, chennai where we were living where he wanted to settle down so the other day i just told my mom i said Mom, just imagine dad wanted to share your food with, you know, so many people. And now we are sharing this food in in a fashion with, you know, with consumers in in America, in USA, which we never would have thought of 40 years ago. And uh, with the students, with kids, with thousands yeah. of kids in this country are beginning to, you know, sort of uh, eat the food that you would have prepared because it's your recipe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the spices are being all I'm doing is putting the spices together to help people and it's your recipe and your steps and, and the kids are loving it and yeah. 
And she was like, yeah, I never really thought about that. That just feels so good to know about that. So. Yeah, no, that is a great, well, that's a great way to end this. Cause I was going to say, I was like, I wanted to, you know, say, you know, say, you know, there's, I, I've been talking about the arc of entrepreneurship lately and um, you guys bring a really, you know, just a, you know, like an international version of it all. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's very, it's very fun to hear. And then, it, but, but, you know, what's interesting too, is that that's, you know, I've, I've, I've heard a family story like that, even the Gentines, you know, Sargento, you know, you get, Leonard Gentine, the founder, and then the, the three brothers that I worked with, and now Louis, who's running the company. And there's a certain art to it all and, and just sitting there and, and what they're trying to accomplish and where they're going and stuff like that. Um, very, very, uh, it's just such a, it's a great, it's a good thing. I mean, it's a way of understanding, you know, your sort of connectivity to the, to the, to the world, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and it's like, uh, it's just fun to listen to it. And like I say, it's always fun to find the different stories and get and put another, it puts more dimension to my, to my, you know, to what, even just that last little story puts more dimension to you and, you know, what I know about you and your brand and your company and such. Um, it's just fun. Like I say, I, 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 like I say, I'll go back to your Facebook, some of your Facebook posts and your family things that I've seen. I'm like, it's just really, it gives me a chance to glimpse into a, a culture that I don't know hardly anything about, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just, it's outstanding. I mean, it's just the world, the world needs more of it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And our, our kids need more of, you know, the healthy food, yeah. um, like one school district here in, uh, some of Madison, the food service, uh, person, she wrote to me, she said, Oh, today was a great day. I said, what happened? She said, well, the high schoolers were moving from the pizza line to the potato curry line. And there you I'm go. Great about it. And I'm like, oh, they're eating vegetables. So. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's a good thing. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. That's why it's interesting. You know, the, the Italian food, I've done a lot of work with Italian food. And, uh, uh, you know, there is a certain amount of that family and that there's just such a, you know, the same, a similar on the culture, but, you know, coming from an Italian, you know, Mediterranean point of view versus an Indian point of view. So, but it's like, that's, that's sort of, sort of cool. I mean, that got, and it's very mainstream now in America. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the fifties, it wasn't all right. That was, pizza was brought over from world war two, you know, that kind of thing. There wasn't a lot of pizzerias in the United States back in the fifties, sixties, mm-hmm. um, you know, so you're, you know, you're, you're about probably another five to 10 years away from Indian food starting to reach the, instead of a Taco Bell, it's going to be an Indian Bell, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I mean, there's some out there that are starting to do that, but none, are, none have reached that same level of, 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 of acceptance. But the good thing is it's there and it's going to come because people mm-hmm. like good food. They like culture. They like, they like everything that comes with it. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Sarah, I uh, really appreciate this time and, and uh, it, uh, say hi to Partha. Um, hopefully yes. all is well with you guys. Um, and we'll wrap it up from there. So thanks, audience. I hope you enjoyed this. Yep. Thank you so much for having me on, Brad. I really enjoyed talking about my business and all the help you've been giving me and all the entrepreneurs that you've been talking about. Uh, you know, your words of encouragement mean, mean a lot, especially like you said, like small businesses like ours, we're just like two people, right, mm-hmm. running the show. And especially when it's a husband and wife team, there's a lot of other underlying um, issues that come up, right? So you're like, you're 24-7, seven years together, you have no one else that you're turning around to talk to about what's going on in the business. So it can get really uh, very interesting at certain times. So having another voice come in and like that's where Tara used to be, you know, uh, yeah. she is still our 
a mentor is like when when we run into a situation and we, we cannot deal with you know figure it out ourselves then like let's ask Tara you know yeah. so it's like uh, she is she is like the arbitrator she's like okay I think this may be a good idea you know kind of stuff and you're not trying to so this way your words of encouragement and saying okay it is what it is this is how a lot of people are uh, facing the same kind of problem, you're not alone, uh, that means a lot because then it sort of gives us the, you know, the strength to sort of, okay, we were in, we are in this for a reason and, you know, let's push through, let's continue and things will get better. So yeah. that's really helpful. Thank you so much for your help too. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha and the Food Finance Institute by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org. 